1: Hello and welcome to Talking City, the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. My name is Joe Bray and uh, I am joined today by Simon Baikowski. How are you doing, Simon? Yeah,
2: very well. How are you, Joe?
1: Yeah, not too bad. I've uh, been out of the uh, out of the loop for this this podcast the last few weeks, so good to be back making my return. And uh, making his debut is Stephen Railston. How are you doing, Stephen?
0: Yeah, not too bad. It's a pleasure to be here. Hopefully it's not a, a long spell. Hopefully I to get a good <laughs> 90 minutes under my belt and uh, yeah, it's a good debut. Legendary. Yeah, you've got,
1: make, you've got to make a good impression. There's a lot of uh, competition <laughs> around in this the, these areas. So, uh, we would love to be talking about a Manchester City title. It, it's going to come, but not just yet, because City lost to Chelsea at the weekend. It was uh, 2-1. It looked to be going all City's way in the first half. Raheem Sterling put them ahead just on the stroke of half-time. Then they got a penalty. And then, Simon, what happened and what was it like in the stadium when Sergio Aguero stepped up and did that?
2: Uh, I think we were all getting ready to sort of write about city winning the league all sort of boxing off our match reports and then um aguero sort of ran up quite casually mendy dropped to the floor to try and save his effort and then had time to um get back to his feet uh nip to asda to do a bit of shopping i think he sort of went into town for a bit and then came back on the tram and uh, picked up aguero's ball before it reached the net it was it was so bad it was so slow i mean it Penenka's are like the greatest penalties to score and the worst ones to miss. And yeah, it was really, really bad. And then City came out and they weren't, they hadn't been very good in the first half, to be honest. And then they sort of got that break, scored well, uh, the first goal, missed the penalty, came out in the second half, weren't very good again, conceded and then conceded in the last minute. So they lost the game and it, it was just like another afternoon, another home game at the Etihad, where you just think this is absolutely pointless. <laughs> What do you mean by pointless? Why? Why would you say that? Um, well, I, I suppose because because none of the players who played played well, so that this game does not make one bit of difference whether City will win the league or not, and because none of them played well, none of the nine changes from the Champions League team, like none of those players will be playing in the Champions League final, other than Diaz and Edison. So you would just kind of sit there thinking, well, what have we learned today? Have we learned that City oh, have to be worried about Chelsea or Chelsea are going to be like really at an advantage for the Champions League final? No, we, we didn't. We just sort of all had a bit of an afternoon that will be irrelevant to the Premier League, the Champions League and just about everything else.
1: I think that's it because we, what we learned is that City's second string 11 can't beat Chelsea's first string and we knew that from the from the FA Cup semi-final and you were hoping that some of them players would sort of make an impact I was I was quite impressed with Gabriel Jesus I thought the the two runs he made in the in the first half for the goal and the penalty was was good and gave them something maybe they've been lacking in recent weeks but there wasn't really anyone else who really took that opportunity and even against Crystal Palace there were a couple of good performances but no one really built on those performances in in the bigger games so Stephen my next question was what can we learn and Simon posed that question so is there anything that you think we can learn or is it like Simon says just completely relevant to that Champions League final in three weeks?
0: Yeah I think so I hit the nail on the head there's a few things that crossed my mind with the Aguero pen though because I wasn't sure if when Sterling scored if that was a result of that, because I know kind of Sterling kind of bundled it, bundled it in ahead of him. And if Aguero had put that goal in, I think he wanted to be the man It wrapped it up. I think he wanted to be the, the match winner. I think that was going through his head as well on the penalty. And he wanted, I think his ego came into it a little bit. And although he is the club legend, look, he's, we all know what he's done in this 10 year spell in Manchester. There were questions over why is Guardiola letting him go? Like, I know he's been linked to multiple players and think, would it not make sense just to keep Aguero? And that moment there, I think Agüero's kind of spoiled it himself because coming into the Champions League final, he was never going to start. But I don't think Guardiola's going to trust him now off the bench, um, which is a shame because it would have been great to see him go off the bench and, and you know he, he does deserve it. But I just can't see Guardiola trusting him now. Um, so that's one one of the things that yeah caught my eye.
1: Yeah, I did think when he when he did that penance, I was like, well, at least he didn't do it in a Champions League final, he did it. <laughs> In that game, where there wasn't as much consequence riding on it. But, uh, yeah, no, I I agree totally. I thought at Crystal Palace, that goal was sort of a a moment that he had a say in the title race, and then he could have had the decisive say in that title race. And I think, yeah, I think it did blow in his mind because having that image of a Penenka penalty to win the league, to go with his other iconic winning the league moment, would have uh, gone down in his showreel. But, yeah, maybe. I think it will be interesting with Aguero in in that final because, like you say, he won't start, but there is still a player there, and if you need a goal, and you need someone to take a snapshot, then you do it, but maybe maybe not a penalty. So um Stephen, I'll come back to you. Did anyone else change Guardiola's mind? Do you think has anyone put themselves in contention for, for those big games to start maybe?
0: I think it was quite the opposite. I don't think change, I just think it reaffirmed his train of thought. I think Mendy and Cancelo, I did a piece yesterday to get to come out on Cancelo. And he's what a player he was the first seven months, eight months. In the last few weeks, he's really dropped off in form. And he's looked at the shadow of himself. And I, I don't know whether that's to do with the role he's playing. I don't know if he's ever fully convinced as a, a traditional right-back going forward and his defensive duties on that side of things. Obviously, when he was playing the inverted role early in the season, he was coming into the midfield and City were overloading and, and dominating that way. He was excellent, but I think he definitely plays in Janko over him in the final. Uh, you, you definitely trust them more, and he showed that against PSG, didn't he? Um, in the semi-finals, in Shenko, to his credit.
1: Yeah, there's been so many like changes in the hierarchy in the in the fullbacks. Like Walker started the season great, then dropped out for Cancelo, and then you've got so many changes at left back. Like you say, it's uh, it seems at the moment that it's Schenko and Walker's places. Um, Simon, what about Rodri? Because Guardiola wasn't very happy with him for the first Chelsea goal, and uh, Fernandinho has come in and put some good good performances. Do you think his sort of starting spot for the, that big final might be at risk?
2: Yeah, Rodri's a really interesting one that seems to have have come from nowhere because he'd kind of sort of cemented his place as the defensive midfielder and Fernandinho was helping out for a few games. There weren't really any game. You couldn't really say Fernandinho was first choice at any point, but until the the PSG game and now Fernandinho is first choice, you you would think, for the Champions League semi-final, for the Champions League final, sorry, I think with... um, Against Dortmund, he had one moment against Gladbach in the sort of, I think it was the last minute of the game and he played really well and they were 2-0 up. And then he passed it sort of straight to a Gladbach player who um, went in on goal and Edison had to have a shot. And then Guardiola wasn't happy with him in the first leg against Dortmund and he was a bit nervous in the second leg and then there are a few more nerves in the first leg against PSG. And I think he's kind of played himself out of, contention a bit in in those sort of high pressure games he's felt it a bit and you know that Fernandinho isn't going to feel that pressure at all because he's just so experienced and just doesn't take any prisoners or doesn't think anything about it so I think Fernandinho is his first choice for for the final and it's going to be very hard for Rodri I think in these remaining three games to uh, to force his way back in so that that has come from
1: from nowhere a bit really yeah, it really has, because Rodri at one point was undroppable and played every minute of every game, even in the early Carabao Cup rounds, and he, he was the one that, that Guardiola turned to. So, yeah, I think partly it's down to maybe a lot of games or Rodri dipping in form for whatever reason, but also Fernandinho has been excellent in these last couple of months. He's he's come in and he's he's led the team and he's he's really added that. And, yeah, if if you're playing Chelsea in the final and you've got N'Golo Kante in, in the other or the other midfielders seems to be getting even better every time you see him, then maybe uh, Fernandinho is a better a better foil for him. Uh, Stephen, what did you make of Nathan Ake? He's come in after quite a long time out and he played OK, I thought, in, in that game. Did he uh, leave any impression
0: on you? Yeah, I thought he had no right game. I just feel quite sorry for him, to be honest, because it's just going to be so hard to get back into that team over Diaz and Stones. But what I will say about Stones is, he'll always had an absolutely sensational season. He has obviously showed glimpses in the past where we know he can drop out of form. So whether Aki in the summer evaluates his, his future and whether he feels that he can get in that side, but I'd probably have Laporte over Aki personally in the pecking order. I thought he had a pretty solid game, but as like I say, not enough. I don't think anyone on that pitch did enough to change Guardiola's mind for the final. Obviously, if Edison will obviously play and what and whatnot, but in Diaz, but. No one delivered a performance that said anything really to to Guardiola. I'd say. Yeah, I, I think just that cool. as well. I, I did. Sorry, I did feel a bit sorry for Rodri because it was it was a weird formation, wasn't it? Like it was a very strange formation in midfield, and he was always going to be overrun. And I don't, I don't know if Guardiola kind of did that intentionally to throw off Tuchel a bit, but he wasn't going to be fooled by that, was he? Like thinking that's going to be happening in the Champions League final. He knows that starting next I set you're going to put in the final really, as we all do. Who I think We're it. I think there
1: was definitely a bit of tactics in that team selection and that he was not giving anything away for that bigger game, knowing that if they lost this one, then they lost this one and they're still going to win the league. So uh, I, I guess we will wait and see. Speaking of Diaz there, let's move on slightly. Diaz is one of three City players up for City's own Player of the Year. Now, I would say he is a dead cert for this, but we've seen in the past that one of the other nominations, Riyad Mahrez, has a lot of loyal support. He's been very, <laughs> very good. But will he overthrow Ruben Diaz and Ilkay Gundogan is the uh, the other one? So, Simon, where do you see that that poll going for City's Player of the Year? Was it last season that Mahrez won
2: Player of the Year?
1: It was our on, sort of on, on the 2020 calendar year player of the year and, uh, right yeah. he, I mean he right. was very good but not as good as as Kevin De Bruyne in my opinion for that and uh, ironically <laughs> yeah. he's probably been better since and then he probably won't win this one it's um
2: it's very strange I, I would class uh Mares among sort of Foden, Walker, um, Cancelo as players that have been outstanding for a number of months, but not fully across the season. Um, You know, they've been a major part of why City have won the season, but won what they have, but they haven't. I seem to remember the start, the beginning of the season, he wasn't great and it's sort of February started picking up and and winning games and he's been, you know, maybe the best player um, since February, but over the season. I, I agree with you, I would give it to Diaz. I think he's just been—he's transformed the defense. I remember that five-two defeat to Leicester, where City were lucky to get through, um, and lucky it was only five. It was so bad, and it was a continuation of all of last season's problems. And then Diaz came in, and overnight the problems ended, and they've now got the lean, the meanest defense in the league. I would give it—I I could see why people would give it to Ilkay Gundogan. I think a lot of people have you know rightly praised him and i think he should get it for stepping up he's um he's top scorer by quite a distance i think despite having not scored for since february which <laughs> says a lot about the weird nature of the city team but he has been like diaz consistent across the season and i've also seen quite a few football journalists saying he should be de bruyne as well Like i, I I wouldn't have said so, but
1: um, you can't really argue with what he brings to the team either. I think with De Bruyne, he's always the best player on the pitch when he plays. But because he had that spell out injured, then I don't know. I think for consistency, you would give it to to Diaz. And again, I can see the argument for Gundogan. What, what, what? Are your thoughts on that, Stephen? Could is there any shout for for Riyad
0: Mahrez? I'd i uh, I'd probably not give Mahrez a squeak there. It sounds a bit, sounds a bit brutal. But I think I'm. Pretty unanimous decision with us and with Diaz because he's just been absolutely outstanding. As I said, obviously that Leicester defeat and obviously I joined the team in March, but I remember watching the um the Leeds game. I think that was Diaz's debut, and I, I honestly thought after that game I thought Liverpool were going to win the league. And I thought it was going to be a very similar season. Uh, City would finish second and it'd be obviously better, better, the best of the rest. But and that was Diaz's debut, and, and since then his impact and that, that's how I would qualify over the Brainer. That's why I think he deserves it. The impact he's had in that team is just sensational. Like like I said, he's he's transformed the defence. He's made everyone around him look better. Like Stones, his improvement—that's no coincidence. Down at the ASM, he's, he's 24 years old. it's Staggering. You look at him, and he's built like a senior pro. He looks like he's been doing it for years. His calmness, his experience. When City are getting pressed, I notice this as well. He, he just he's looks so assured and confident. He never panics. He picks out the right pass, and yeah. So he's it, it, definitely my shout. And I don't know, I don't know what you think, Joe. Would you give Morris a shout?
1: Um, I think Mao's has been very good and as I say, better than he was probably yeah. last season. But when you've got a player like Diaz coming in and uh, I think it's a clean sweep from, from us three that Diaz does does deserve to win it. And you mentioned that Leeds game. What what stood out for me more than what he did on the pitch was afterwards he gave an interview and he'd just come in that week to the club and he, he did an interview saying, Now this isn't this isn't good enough. We can't be drawing one one in these games, like we've got to be better. And I think as well as the quality on the pitch. He's brought a lot of sort of leadership and and sort of a, a standard off the pitch of like we've got to be doing better. We've got to be winning every game and we can't settle for one one. However good Leeds might be this season. So I, I would I would say that sort of impact as well is why why he uh, why he deserves that. So I'll go on and vote for him uh, after we've done this and <laughs> put my money where my mouth is. Um, next up, for City. In uh, there's a there's a five or six day gap now, and I counted before. That's the first time this season that they've had. A gap of that length that hasn't been enforced by Covid or an international break so that's uh, 57 games that they've had a sort of scheduled five day gap uh, between games and it's Newcastle away At I uh, was it at home it's away, James park, yeah. away St James's Park so uh, Stephen I'd imagine you've got a bit of inside knowledge on uh, Newcastle so we'll come to you in a second but um, how do you think Simon City set up at Newcastle, They could be champions of course going into that game but would that affect how Pep Guardiola affects it, uh, approaches
2: it. I think it will be far more similar to the, the Champions League final team than uh, I think it will be far similar to the PSG game than the, the Chelsea game. Really, I know it's kind of an irrelevant game, and they could have won the league already by the time they play um, if United drop uh, three points. But it's um, I think Guardiola was a little bit needled afterwards um after the Chelsea game when you know a lot of the questions from us were sort of like you know it, well just the fact that, that we're still talking about the league not being wrapped up and it, it you know he was kind of moaning saying oh you've all been writing that it's been over for for months and it's still not over it's like yeah, but it has because if it wasn't over then you wouldn't have played you beat team against Chelsea and, or against Leeds and made so many changes against United and stuff like that. So um, I think he will, if, if the title is still, if the title race is still on on Friday, as much as it's ever been on, I think he will play a strong team to sort of finish that off and mean that we all shut up and stop asking him silly questions. But I think he will play a strong team anyway, just because he, he won't have been too thrilled with, with Saturday.
1: Well, this is it. It's finding that balance of keeping your, your best players fresh and also giving the other ones a chance and also just rotating in, in these last three league games. So it's 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 going to be interesting. But uh, do you think, Stephen, Newcastle can pose City any sort of threat? Because they got a very impressive win at Leicester. Um, what's their situation with relegation? Are they safe, depending on yeah. the result
0: going into that? Yeah, so obviously Fulham played tonight. I don't know when this goes out um, against Burnley and that will have big ramifications but I'd say everyone at the bottom is safe now I think Fulham um, looked to be the third side relegated, along with West Brom and South, um sorry Sheffield United but it's it's funny you're right that that result against Leicester it was one of the best performances I'd of the season from Newcastle but in regard to City on Friday I think City Guardiola could play the team that he played against Chelsea and um, both times you uh, could play the B team as such and they'd still have enough to be Newcastle in my opinion I think Newcastle just sit deep should just be an exhibition for City pass the ball and it would be interesting if, obviously, United play Leicester and is it Liverpool on first down I believe. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as we've said, the, the title can be wrapped up. And I think that was why it was such a shame, because if Aguero had, obviously, not messed around, winning the title on home territory, the players can celebrate, everyone's watching the match. But if, if the title is won this week, City fans are at work, you know what I mean? It's not a weekend as such. So, hopefully, I know it sounds a bit weird, but hopefully United keep the title race in quotes alive and City fans can enjoy themselves on Friday night. Um, but I think it'll be a straightforward win on Friday.
1: Well, that's sort of been the pattern of recent meetings. But there, there was one recent one where Newcastle held City, is that? Yeah, there's been a few thing?
0: times, to be fair. I mean, City, have. there's been a few times when they've run up St James's Park and not struggled, that's unfair. But um, under Benitez, it was a result that Newcastle, I think it was 2-1. City scored the first couple of minutes, I think, and it was 2-1. Richie scored a pen. And so there. there is a few occasions of City going up and maybe struggling and, and not looking the best. But under this Bruce side, I think it is a bit different. and. I know the reverse reverse leg of the Eddie he had was no problem. I, c- I can't see Newcastle troubling City. No, no, so.
2: Stephen, without turning you into like the full-blown Newcastle expert, but like, for looking from an outside point of view, this Newcastle team, like, it seems like they were doing all right and then they got hit by COVID really badly and then they've been terrible and like, Sam Maximan was one of the worst affected by COVID and and he's since he's come back into the team, they've started picking up yeah. results again. Is that yes. fair, or, or have they been were they bad under Bruce before December?
0: That's completely a fair assessment. They've had some problems. Obviously, as you've said, side hugely hit by COVID. I think one of the, the teams worse than the league affected by it. And they've had a few injuries. Wilson's been out. He's the top goal scorer. They're a completely different side with him in the team. But if you actually do watch Newcastle and in and in, in it's time, you can look at results and you can look at performances and. They were getting results at the start of the season. They've done the double of West Ham to beat them on the opening day and a few solid results against some good sides. But the performances have never been there. Um, and that's been the problem. I think that's been the gripe with Newcastle fans. Even when there has been good, good results, you felt it's been very fortunate. And you look at both sides and the way City play, Newcastle invite on pressure. They'll sit deep and they'll they'll look for a better luck, they'll, they'll look for a set piece or a corner or they'll, they'll try to do that. and. But it is an interesting point you make, but that, that's my that's my take on it anyways. I don't think the performances have been good enough this season. But the bottom half of the Premier League, is are all much of a much are There's There's nothing much to, to separate them sides at the bottom.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a case of how both sides line up and what's at stake for both sides. So if Newcastle are safe and City have won the league, then it's going to be, I don't think, a, a game with a lot to shout about. And I can't imagine Newcastle doing anything, but maybe if they do need... A point or or two to to stay up because I think Fulham have got Burnley and Southampton who are directly above them, so it's not necessarily over, but probably over. So yeah, it it will fully depend on what happens before the game. I think I don't. I think it's a bit too early to predict how the game is uh is going to go. But let's look at City. They've got a few games, three games left. What do you reckon, Simon? Is the best way that Guardiola can use these games to prepare for that final? Is it rotation? Is it playing full strength? Is it playing B teams for the next three games? What what do you think the best approach is? Um I have felt very sorry for say Ferran
2: Torres or Sergio Aguero or Raheem Sterling when they've been kind of thrust into like a full B team, essentially. You know, they're not in form, so they're in the B team, but are they going to get back into form when they're playing with 10 teammates who are also out of form? Um I do think, you know, Sterling was decent in the Carabao Cup final in a stronger team like you said earlier jesus was was pretty good on saturday so sterling and jesus and, and maybe a few others deserve the chance i think to play in a stronger team to see if they can play themselves back into uh into contention and Rodri as well having been such a big a big part i think i mean what was guardiola asked at the uh at the weekend so yeah. I've, i i think i I was I was so fed up of being there, I sort of said, you know, do, does it does it matter? Do you care if you win or lose these next three games? And his answer was like, we'll be ready for the Champions League final. Don't you worry. So it feels like he's already got his plans in place and these three matches won't make that much difference to them at all. But I think it could just be useful for those three or four players that have a chance of breaking into the eleven to see whether they can sort of show in these minutes that they get
1: that they can play. And I suppose it's not just for the Champions League final but going into next season you've got the likes of maybe Mendy and even Jesus to an extent, Laporte and Nathan Ake and those sort of players who haven't been in the team as much this season and will probably want to show Guardiola before he goes into the transfer market actually trust me don't necessarily look for uh, an an alternative so Stephen is is there anyone who you think could use these three games to sort of make a, a lasting impression on Guardiola over the summer?
0: There's multiple players obviously in that game against Chelsea that were kind of d- touched upon earlier but we've been seeing it for a few weeks now it's you know, it's, it's not quite D-Day don't get us wrong but obviously you've got Newcastle on Friday then Brighton um, but the players were given a chance in the, in the semi-final of the FA Cup were given a, given a chance against Chelsea mm-hmm. uh, only them can take it um, and it's, it's, they the run out of time it's quite similar as that um, obviously I think Sai made a very good point there as in it's, it is very hard to, to rediscover your form if you're, you're going to be playing around this quote-unquote the B team and Sterling, I was really impressed by him in the final. Um, he playing again in his role on the wing and a bit higher up and doing what he does best against Chelsea. He was asked to do something that you weren't going to see the best of him with. So I, I felt sorry for him. And I think out of everyone, he's maybe in contention to force his way back in. So he's got to take this chance now on on Friday if he does get the nod against Newcastle. And I think it's Brighton and Everton after that. So that'll be interesting.
1: Sterling's are like a confidence player, isn't he? Like he's obviously very good and at, at the top of his game, but he he is a player who needs a few games and needs a pat on the back and needs a few goals behind him. So fair enough to him for taking that chance off Aguero. And he was he was causing Atletico problems all afternoon and you know riling them up. And and I, I think he will be one to stick with. And you know even if it means tiring him out a little bit you know, sticking by him and, and giving Guardiola a selection dilemma for that that final. And uh, especially with it being against Chelsea and he, he caused him a few problems on Saturday, then, you know, maybe Sterling is uh, someone who can crack open that, what looks like a pretty solid starting eleven for the final. So um before we go, um I didn't mention this to you guys before, but say it's the Champions League final, say it's Nil nil after 120 minutes, and there's a penalty shootout. <laughs> Who is stepping up? It's going boy, to be Edison, right? does not it? So? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Well, that that was the funny thing about um, Saturday. You know, everyone's up
2: in arms about Sterling not getting that penalty at the end. Like, well, no one would have scored it anyway. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, I think it. I think it has to be. Uh, has has to be Edison. Um, I, I would <laughs> I would back De Bruyne in a final. I would back Gundogan in a final. I would back Maras in a final, actually, to put that Anfield sort of... Who-do.
0: Who-do, n- nightmare
2: yeah. to bed. Um, but, I mean, you, you'd back Edison every day if you got the chance. That it's risk,
0: name though, uh, it? yeah. Sorry, Joe.
1: It's high risk, though, because to ask Edison <laughs> in a sort of Champions League final, even if it's a shootout when, you know, you've not got the race back, first penalty. He was confident, though, against Chelsea. There was, a, I think, Sky put out a video where he looked very annoyed that, he didn't get the penalty. I don't know if you saw that, Si. When uh, Agüero stepped up, he was annoyed.
2: No, right. Well, which game was it? There was a game earlier this season where he um, stepped up to give one of them advice on where they should place it, and, uh, and they didn't listen to him, and but scored anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's confident and he's cool. And if you don't have to race back to his goal, you give it to him. But would I don't think Guardiola would give give it to Edison because uh, it'd be a bit. A bit too risky and a bit too disrespectful, perhaps.
1: Maybe if you get past the, you know, the first five, if it's a shootout or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the City Chelsea game a
2: few years ago, Kepa refused to come off, didn't he? So maybe Edison should just go and stand in the penalty box
1: and <laughs> refuse to let anyone else have the ball. Now that would be a way to win a Champions League, wouldn't it, Stephen? Any other any other suggestions for a penalty shootout?
0: De Bruyne would be my man. Yeah, but I'll, uh, I'll I am very confident. I'd say for City for the final, I think. I'd ignore the last two results and I, I think they've got a huge chance of uh, winning their first Champions League,
2: 100%. Foden's another shout as well. He's never really been in contention because he's never really been a first-team sort of nailed on. But but now that he is, he's certainly not short of confidence either.
1: Well, with so many people missing penalties, I think it's 11 penalties this season and four have missed and four separate players. So Probably about time Foden did, did step up. I, and never
2: got... I, I think he scored one against Liverpool in the... Community Shield in 2019 as well. Seems to think that was very, very coolly taken. It might not have been a Penenka, but it was, it was very well
1: hit. Well, of all the players, Foden would be one who's sort of riding high at the moment. He's on top of his game and he's gone from on the fringes to probably going to start the Champions League final in, in the space of a season. So you can't really argue with that. So uh, before we go, prediction for the uh, Newcastle game. I know I said we can't really predict too much given that so much can happen beforehand. But uh, Simon, what, what what are you expecting from that game?
2: Uh, I will say 2-0, 2 nil to City. I think it'd be much more controlled and they will actually have a midfield this, for this game.
0: Sounds, sounds very boring, but I, I was going to go 2-0 as well. Yeah, I'm not just saying that. Uh, I can't see Newcastle conceding loads although they have had the defensive problems they have been a bit tighter recently and I don't think City will yeah so 2-0 I'll go
1: with 2-0 I'll say 1-0 I think uh, I'm, I'm preparing myself to be very very bored <laughs> by, uh, by that game Wh- whatever's at stake or whatever happens but uh, hopefully the next time we speak to you on Talking City there will be a Premier League title in, uh, in City's collection another one to add and before that We'll see what happens at Newcastle. We'll be watching closely the two Manchester United games and uh, hoping they slip up from a City point of view. But uh, until then, keep on following the Manchester Evening News for all your latest uh, Manchester City news. And uh, that's it from today's Talking City.